Well, good morning, Orchard Hills. Welcome again to our time of worship. Welcome to everybody in the room, those outside, those who are watching online. Um, we are glad that you are all a part of this time of worshiping the Lord with us. My name is Sutton Wirt. I'm the community care pastor here, and I'm excited uh, to wrap up our fall series with you um, today. So maybe you're glad about that, you know, maybe, maybe you're sad about that, uh, but we have come to the end of our fall series. It's called Made for God, Identity, Gender, and Sex. Um, and we have talked about so many things through this series. Um, we have covered so many things over the, the past six weeks. And really, like I've said before, we're just kind of scratching the surface of these issues. These are much bigger and deeper conversations. And so even though this is the end of the series, we hope that this is not the end of these conversations. Um, in fact, our hope in this series has been that God would shift the culture of our church around issues of gender and sexuality. And, and by his grace, that is happening. And we've seen that happening. Um, we have heard story after story of uh, ways that God is moving in our midst over the past few weeks. Uh, people coming forward and sharing their stories with us of their sexual brokenness and healing that they found in Jesus. Um, people saying that They've understood things in different ways. They've seen different things. Uh, a common one has been that people have really grown in compassion through this series. And so that's, that's a wonderful thing. Um, and so for that and, and for all of these things, we just want to say praise God. Um, praise God for his faithfulness to us through, through this series. And, and praise God for all of you who've walked so faithfully with us. Um, so we're excited uh, to see where the Lord leads us from here. And we're glad that, that we're all a part of it together. So today, I would like to wrap up our series by kind of recapping a few of, of the major lessons that we've learned through our time together. Um, that'll be the first thing that we do. And then the second thing is I want to look uh, at the, the letter of 1 John and let God's word have the final say in this series. And we'll look at 1 John where it talks about walking in the light and what does that mean. Um, but first, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in together. Well, Lord Jesus, you are our God, and we are your people. Thank you for just the incredible way that you uh, move and work among us, that you are uh, cleaning us up, that you're uh, filling this place with your presence, that, Lord, you know we are so far from perfect. Your, your church is, is not perfect and won't be until that beautiful day that you return. But Lord, you uh, persistently and consistently work in us uh, to root out the sin in our lives, to bring us closer to each other, uh, to call us all into to spiritual health and wholeness as we walk in the light with you. So I pray that you do that among us here today. We give you this time. Speak to us through your word and by your spirit. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. All right. <clears throat> so, obviously, there are so, so many different um, things that we have talked about, so many lessons that we've learned through this time. Certainly could not cover them all. I'm just going to hit on four major ones uh, by way of reminder. So the first is this. Our gender and sexuality point beyond themselves to God and to his love for us. Um, so this was a truth that really rocked my world um, when I started studying these things more, and I hope that it has rocked yours as well. Um, our culture has made sex and gender so completely about you 
your desires, your preferences, your pleasure. Um, and in so many ways, we have bought into that lie. Um, but the, that is simply not what the Bible says. That is not what God reveals to us as the, the good plan for our gender and our sexuality or any part of our lives. But the Bible says, first and foremost, that we were made for God, that we were made for Him, His design, His purposes, His pleasure. And then secondly, that we were made for each other to live in a life-giving, vulnerable, honest, growing community with one another. That we were made for God first, then others, and then lastly for ourselves. But the world flips that on its head, doesn't it? Jesus said in Scripture that the first and greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. But our culture has flipped these things. And so I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and um, a guy was saying that uh, the way the, the world has flipped those biblical commands, the, our culture is now saying this, be true to yourself. That is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, to affirm whatever self your neighbor decides to be true to. That's where our culture is right now. And it's kind of tempting, it's kind of appealing, but it is so not the way that God has designed us to work. It doesn't lead to life. It leads to death and more and more pain and heartache. And church, the way that God has made the world is good. And when we put him first, when we're living for him first, and then others, and then ourselves, then our life is ordered. Our loves are in the right order, and we thrive. Yeah, things are hard. We're still imperfect. We're still struggling. But, but when it's, it's God first and then others ahead of ourselves, then we are living in the way God designed us to live. Then there is joy. There is real, abundant life. Um, and that is true in every area of our lives, but also in our sexuality. It's for God first. And, and we put our spouse ahead of ourselves um, or the honor of others ahead of ourselves, even in the area of our sexuality. So, number two, we are living in a spiritual battle, and sexual brokenness is a symptom of that ongoing warfare. So often, matters of sex and gender have become in our culture a war zone, um, where already hurting and struggling people are caught uh, in the crossfire. But as the church, we must recognize that there is a spiritual war going on, and that people are not the enemy. We have consistently said throughout this series um, that our issues around sex and gender are discipleship issues. And part of what that means is that uh, the sin that we struggle with, the, the wounds that we have, those are symptoms of deeper spiritual issues in our lives. And so the church must go deeper than just the surfacey, cheap shot political commentary that is so common in our world, so common in our media. Our sexual pain and dysfunction are indicative of deeper spiritual problems. We look at porn because we feel lonely and rejected. We want to go outside of God's boundaries for sex because we're longing for acceptance or, or we think that we know better than God does. We desire to express our gender in a different way than God intended because of how uncomfortable we are in our own skin. Underneath the surface of our sexuality, there are so many lies about who God is and about who we are and about what his word says. 
And so as, as Orchard Hills Church, we have sought to normalize conversation around these hard things, believing that the, just talking about the surface issues isn't enough, but we have to press deeper. We have to give people space to talk about the deeper issues. We have to create a, a place that, that is safe and where people will be honored when they talk about their struggles in order that we all might be able to, to ask the deeper questions and to receive the healing that Jesus offers. And we've begun to see some of that happen. We are so thankful that, that people are able to talk about these things, that some things are, are coming into the light, and we are praying that the Lord just does more and more of that good work among us. The third thing is this. Showing grace and truth is possible, but only through Jesus. So through this series, we have sought to pull back the curtain uh, and name many of the lies that the enemy is multiplying in our culture today. And one of them is this, that you can't show love to someone while also standing on biblical truth. Our world wants to say it's got to be one or the other. And too often the church has said, yeah, it's got to be one or the other. But that's a lie. That is a lie. Jesus was full of both grace and truth. And by his spirit, we can be too. We can be the same, not in our own strength, but through his power living within us. We have aimed to make it abundantly clear that standing on the biblical truth of God's design for sex and gender does not mean that we deliver that truth with anger or with scorn or with judgment or with mockery. That is not the Jesus way but that like Jesus, we can, can challenge others in the truth and with the truth in a way that still communicates love and acceptance and a desire for relationship. That is an unnatural combination. It does not come naturally to us. And so it requires that we get out of the way, that we do what Jesus said and die to ourselves and allow him by his spirit to live through us so he can be that fullness of grace and truth that we cannot be on our own. It also requires that we believe that only Jesus is the one who can change a heart. Too often we want to be the ones to change people's hearts, but we can't. Jesus is the only one who can. And it requires the humility to remember that we were once enemies of God too. When we do that, when we walk in that humility, then Jesus begins to live through us. Then people begin to see him in us, his spirit lived out through our lives. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Not when we agreed with him. Not when we were on his side even. Not when we were doing anything right, but when we were sinners, when we were set against him, rejecting his truth, Jesus died for us. He loved us. Surely we must be able to show that same kind of love for the people that we disagree with. That is the Jesus way. Also, in 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 25, Paul writes to the young man he's discipling, Timothy, and I, th I thought these verses were so powerful. He says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. <laughs> Tough one, right there, out of the gate. Must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. 
with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And so it's not our, our loud shouting of facts that's going to change anyone's heart. It's not our casual dismissal of sin and, and not agreeing with what God says that it actually is. Um, but it is a, a firm but kind and gentle speaking of the truth in love that changes hearts. That's how Jesus works, and he works through his spirit. And he is the only one who can bring someone to repentance. You can't bring someone to repentance. It says God may grant them repentance. He is the heart changer. And so may we be um, vessels of his, his power and his spirit, not trying to do the work ourselves, but allowing him to work through us. Final one, uh, number four. It's more important to ask questions than to make statements. So through this series, we have, have learned that the best place to start building some bridges and starting conversations is by simply asking questions. Asking questions. Like Scott shared a couple weeks ago, Jesus asked a lot more questions than he answered. Something like 307 questions he asks in the Gospels. Directly answers three or four. Um, and then in turn, he, uh, well, yeah, he asks 307. Um, so similarly, we believe that we're called to the same thing, um, that we are not called to loudly and boldly just proclaiming our opinion because that doesn't change anything, but we're called to walk with people in the context of relationship, graciously speaking the truth in love as we walk with people. So many people in our world today are feeling isolated and lonely and rejected and left out. That is such a common theme, especially around issues of, of gender and sexuality. And so why would we just push someone away with a loud opinion when we could bring someone in through walking gently with them in relationship, not compromising what is true, but being persistent in the way that we love with gentleness like Jesus has told us to. And one of the best things for those kind of relationships to flourish uh, is just asking questions. Um, a few things open a person up more than an honestly curious question and a heart that is eager to listen. Not, not to quickly respond, but to listen. So here's a few questions to get you started in, in your own conversations. What about that is important to you? How did you come to that conclusion? Have you been hurt by Christians in the past? How do these things make you feel? What do you think God's heart is on this topic and why? And then listen. Don't be ready with a, a quick response, a, a truth jab. Listen. and See what people say. See where their heart is. So often, underneath the surface of these issues that we disagree on, there are deep, wounds, deep ways in which people have um, experienced incredible hurt and trauma, uh, ways that we have sinned and been sinned against. And so let us um, hold each other's stories gently um, and let us let the Lord speak through us. Amen? All right. Hey, that was a good one. Um, <laughs> well, obviously, there's so much more that we could talk about, so many more things that we've learned through this series, but those are some of the highlights we wanted to hit for you today. Um, but now I want to look to the book 
and let God's word have the final say for us today. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 John. Um, if you don't have one, we've got some in the seats there in front of you. This is on page 1207. Um, 1 John is right near the end of your Bible. It's 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, three letters right before Revelation. So it's almost at the end. Um, and this is John, the apostle, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved, um, is how he refers to himself. And uh, he has experienced the love of God, and he wants to pass it on to these churches that he's helping oversee. And uh, this, is, this is what he says in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. It says, This is the message that we have heard from him, God, and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship or relationship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Well, there's so much here, um, but I want to, to focus mainly on this idea of walking in the light, walking in the light. Maybe you've heard us use that phrase over the course of this series. I realized this week it's kind of a churchy phrase, and so I just wanted to explain it a little bit um, because it's so important. In the Bible, the word walk or walking means uh, a way of life or the way that you live. And so to walk in the light is, is to live in the light, to have your way of life be out in the light. Um, and in this passage, God himself is referred to metaphorically as light. And what does light do? It reveals, it exposes, um, it shows us the truth of who we are. It's purifying and it's life-giving. It causes things to grow. And so to, to walk in the light is to live with God, to live life with him in a way that is open and honest, not hiding yourself, but, but giving him your full self, and not only him, but also others. It says, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And so we're called to walk in the light, to live in openness and honesty with God and with other people. Dane Ortland, in his book, Deeper, defines it this way. He says, walking in the light is honesty with God and others. So church, this is, is where the rubber meets the road for us today. This is what we believe God is inviting every one of us into today. We believe that God is wanting us to live in uncomfortable honesty with him and with each other. That is how we find healing in this area of sexual brokenness. That is how we find healing in our, our sexual woundedness. That's how we find healing and freedom in really any area of sin or brokenness in our lives. We must walk in the light. Walking in the light is where healing is found. Walking in the light is where healing is found. But walking in the light is scary, isn't it? 
The darkness of hiding our sin feels comfortable and safe and not nearly so risky. But the darkness is where sin thrives. The darkness is where sin thrives. You cannot kill it on your own. You cannot get rid of it on your own. It must come out into the light before God and before others. You can't receive healing in the darkness. You must come into the light. Notice in these verses the opposite of walking in the light, which is walking in darkness or dishonesty. Verse 6, if we say we know God but walk in darkness, we're actually lying to him and to others. Verse 8, if we say we don't have any sin in our lives, we're actually lying to ourselves. And verse 10, if we say we haven't sinned, then we're calling God a liar because he has said that we have sinned. And so, friends, the first step to healing is telling the truth, owning up to it, speaking the truth out about what you have done and who you are, not just to God, but to each other. And look at the beautiful fruit of being honest about our sin and walking in the light. Verse 7 says that then we have fellowship with one another. We have real, vibrant relationships with one another. Verse 7 again, Jesus' blood cleanses us from all sin, not just some of it, but all of it. We're cleansed, we're free from the, the sin of our past. Verse 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us. So he, he not only forgives our past, but he cleans up our present. And as we move toward heaven, the Lord is purifying us and making us more and more like him, more and more red of sin and more and more like himself. So of those two options, which would you choose? Which one are you choosing? Lying to God, yourself, and others? Or following Jesus into the light and receiving real relationships with God and with each other? Receiving healing, forgiveness, and victory over sin? Isn't that second option what we're all wanting? Yeah. Isn't that second option what we're all hoping for? Friends, that is, is real abundant life. It's the life that Jesus offered. And it begins when we, by God's grace and power, step out into the light and tell the truth about our struggles, not only to God, but also to each other. That is where freedom begins. That's where healing begins. My buddy, uh, Justin McClure, got to experience this in a very cool way recently. Where, where, there he is. Um, if you were at man camp this last weekend, then you, uh, like me, were in awe of God's faithfulness and his work in the life of Justin McClure. Um, God has, has brought him out of so much hurt and pain and, and failure to be the godly man that he is today. Um, a man who is by no means perfect, he would be quick to tell you that, um, but a man who is following after Jesus, seeking to love his family uh, and honor the Lord in every part of his life. Um, and so Justin shared his incredible testimony, um, and honestly, you could not have heard it and not been moved. It was that powerful. Um, and it, but the thing is that Justin did not know uh, how he would be received before he came to man camp last weekend. Um, and in fact, he was really nervous to bring a lot of those things to the light, to bring them before us guys who were gathered there. And so I was talking with uh, Justin's wife, Jess, the other day, and she was saying that before coming to man camp, um, Justin had said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. 
I'm going to be faithful and, and speak because I know the Lord wants me to do that and I'm going to be obedient. But honestly, it feels like I'm just giving more ammunition to those guys to judge me with. That's what it feels like. But he knew that God had called him to share, and so he obeyed, and he told his story. And do you know what happened? Do you think that fear of judgment proved true? Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. We all, as Justin finished his story, we all stood to our feet and we applauded his courage and his vulnerability and his bravery. I mean, there was few dry eyes. John Spees was crying like a baby. And he was, he was not the only one. Um, and all of us were knit together in a deeper fellowship. We all had a greater realization of God's love and power for us because Justin chose to follow Jesus courageously into the light. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Walking in the light is hard and scary, but it is worth it. It is worth it. And so practically, what might walking in the light look like for you today? What might walking in the light look like for you? Maybe, um, yeah, maybe there's something you've been struggling with that you've not told anyone. Find someone who is safe, whether it's a friend or a spouse or a coworker, someone who you know loves you, um, and let them know. Bring that out into the light. It is risky. It's not without risk, um, but it is worth it. Um, I'm also not saying that we all just start telling everyone our deepest, darkest secrets. Um, don't, don't hear me to say that. We have to use wisdom, um, and we have to make sure the people that we're sharing with are safe and trustworthy people. Um, and so this walking in the light, this honesty that I'm talking about, happens best and easiest in community. In community. Um, and so that is what we are seeking to build here at this church. Um, and we've got some different groups that, that are aimed at building that sort of community. So um, for every person here, if you're not in a life group, we'd encourage you to get in one. Life groups are kind of our main tool for building community here at Orchard Hills. Um, and everyone looks different. There's all kinds of different stages. There's different levels of depth and relationships. Some that are just starting aren't going to have the, the intimacy and the vulnerability that have been around, you know, ones that have been around for 10 years. Um, but the goal is that these groups would grow over time in vulnerability and in transparency with one another. Um, and our hope is that they would be safe spaces where people, where you can say, hey, here's something I'm struggling with. Would you pray for me? Here's where our family is struggling. Would you pray for me? Would you remind me of who God says I am and the truth about who I am? And they will. By God's grace, they will. I'd also encourage you to, to check out a men's or a women's small group. So life groups are mixed gender. Men's and women's small groups are same gender, and they're smaller. They're an even more intimate and vulnerable split space where we can practice what James says in James chapter 5, 16. He says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's how healing happens. We confess a sin. We confess a struggle. Our friends pray for us, and there's healing. There's life. We're walking in the light. That has been such a sweet part of my small group, and it is such a needed part of our walk with Jesus. We must be walking in the light with God and with others. 
Another option I want to offer you today is this. Um, If you are feeling trapped in unwanted sexual behaviors, um, if you maybe are the spouse of someone who is stuck in unwanted sexual behaviors, um, and you are feeling betrayal uh, and a level of broken trust, and you need healing, whether whether you've sinned sexually or are being sinned against, um, then we have some recovery groups that we are building, that we would like to offer to you. So we have a couple here in the church, um, a precious, uh, sweet couple who loves the Lord, is very uh, knowledgeable about these things, and they're currently receiving training uh, to lead these recovery groups. And so we would like to invite you to those. If that is something um, that you need, a space that, that you just cannot um, get past something because you, you, you can't, none of us can get over some of these things on our own. We need each other. And so these groups um, are very specialized and will have all kinds of good resources to help you in this area. Part of, uh, an important part of this new piece of ministry, really, that we're starting um, is that there is a high level of con- confidentiality around these groups. Um, and so we're not going to advertise them um, we're not going to put out a location, a time, uh, so that there is a, a sense of confidentiality even when you go to them. Um, so if you want to be a part of them, um, then just reach out to me, um, and I will connect you with either that man or that woman, and then we'll be the only people who, who know that you've reached out. Um, it's not something we'll talk about with the other staff. Uh, it's not even something that uh, Scott has asked me not to share with him. Um, Scott's our lead pastor if you're new here. And so I won't even be sharing with him. Um, but if, if that is uh, something that you need and you'd like to say, hey, I want to walk in the light in this area and I need help, we would love to offer that to you. And so, um, yeah, my phone number and email, I think maybe you put them up already. Yeah, they're there if you need them. Um, and I'd love to, to make that connection for you. Well, <clears throat> as we wrap up, Um, You know, so much of what I've been saying today about walking in the light is a call to believers, um, people who are walking with Jesus already, um, to to come further into the light, to allow yourself to be seen and known, to be honest with the other believers in your life. Um, But maybe you're here today and you uh, have never been honest with God about who you are and about what you've done, and you've never um, allowed yourself uh, to admit it to to yourself or to God. Um, and the reality is this, that, that you and I, we are all sinners. We are all broken. We have all done things that deserve, according to God, uh, punishment, death, and hell. Um, but by God's grace, he sent his son Jesus as um, a, an atoning sacrifice to pay the penalty that you and I deserve. And so there is mercy and there is grace for you. If you have never stepped into the light and come to Jesus, then I'd like to invite you to that today. There is grace and there is mercy to be found at the feet of Jesus. It is the only place to find such grace. The world offers a cheap imitation, but Jesus' mercy, his grace is full and complete. There is full forgiveness. So I'd like to conclude with this verse from 1 John chapter 2, right where we left off. He says this, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but... If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the propitiation for our sins, 
and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. Propitiation means an atoning sacrifice, something that pays the penalty, that turns the tables back in your favor. An advocate, as you know, is someone who advocates for another, someone who's standing before another, pleading for another's case. That is what Jesus does before the Father day and night. He is constantly advocating for those who are his. And so if you have never come to Jesus, then we invite you to do that today. There is such grace and mercy. There is true healing and forgiveness in him. And if you have come to Jesus, but you're still living under the weight of some sin or or under shame or guilt, feeling like you don't really deserve his grace, feeling like you aren't worthy to be here and be a part of his people, then the good news is that you're not. You're not worthy. You don't deserve his grace. And that's why it's called grace. So just open your hands to receive it. Step into the light and let Jesus be your advocate. Allow him to wash you and cleanse you and purify your life. Only he can do it. Only he can do it, and he will. Amen? He's so faithful. He's so good. He is our only hope. Our only hope. In these areas of of sexual brokenness and gender identity and all these confusing things, he is a sure and steady anchor for our souls. And so we invite you to come into the light and follow him today. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus... There is no one like you. There is no one who is so bold in speaking truth to us and yet who is so persistent in loving us, so steady and faithful in giving grace and showing mercy. Lord, your mercy goes so far beyond what I can understand. And every time I think that I've outsinned your grace, there is always so much more. Jesus, for anyone here today who thinks that they have done too much or gone too far or are beyond your love and your redemption, please, I pray that you would speak to them. I rebuke that lie in Jesus' name, and I ask, Lord, that you would uh, come into their heart and their life. uh, Let them know how able you are to save, how ready you are to forgive. Oh, Lord, I pray just for... um, a a overflow, an outbreak of grace in this church, um, just a a coming into the light for all of us, Lord, that whatever kind of sin we're struggling with, that we'd be quick to name it, that we take the risk of being vulnerable with each other so that we might experience the healing that comes from honest community centered on you. Lord, would you do that here in this church? Would you do that among everyone who's listening to this message? Oh, Lord Jesus, this is your church. We're your people. You're our God. We're running to you. We give it all to you in your name. Amen.